Happy Mythical, Magical, Wonderful Monday, Milkers. Welcome back to another episode. The beer this week is called Tropical Bear Hug, and this is by Goose Island Brewing Co. of Chicago, Illinois. It has an ABV of 9.9% and the Comcast rating of 4 out of 5. An Imperial IPA produced by the good people of Goose Island Brewing, this beer is bursting with tropical fruit flavors and will leave you feeling ready for hot summer days and even hotter summer nights. As always, please drink responsibly. And if you love the show and want to and want to help us out, go and check out our merch store at thecomcast.com. And if you want to also support us in other ways, please feel free to leave a rating and review and don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get into the episode for the Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, Part 4, coming at you now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Comcast. As always, I am your fucking amazing, gracious, glorious host, Ryan, and joining me, as always, is Cody. I am the narrator. Okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, hey. <laughs> Hi. This How's is, it going? This is part four of the flying scooter monster. Part quattro. I don't know. When you were just telling me that it's going to be probably a six-parter. Probably a six-parter. We are current. So, hopefully it's a little bit... I, I, I was reading through the pages before the podcast, and I think this one's going to be pretty entertaining and interesting, this episode. Good, because the last one was bullshit. The end got a little weird. So, we're on... We're currently on page 93 out of 166, relatively. There's some extra things thrown in there, like some um, DIY and, like, craftsy stuff in there um, towards the end. But roughly roughly 166 pages. We're on 93 right now. So, let's go ahead and get started. Propaganda. I like your Christ... I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Mahanda, yeah, Mahanda is Godney. Gandhi. It's Muhammad Godney. Uh, Wait, Mahanda, Mahandas. Unless the unless unless the Mahatma S Mahatma Gandhi. Unless the S is silent. Uh, Gandhi. There it was we go. fucking Gandhi. It was Gandhi. Gandhi, aka worship Sky Daddy, but not Christianity. Aka Gone Girl, but with a D at the end of it. Gandhi. The good gone. <clears throat> the Pasifarian Guide to Propaganda. Spreading his word. Now that you know some of the science and history behind Pasifarianism, you may feel that you're ready to go out and spread his word. With this in mind, it is important to remember that one of the central ideas of FSMism is the idea of inclusion. Anyone can be a member, no matter their age, race, background, or even their religious affiliation. As we've stated earlier, we do not base our beliefs on dogma. If we did, we'd have to think that we're absolutely right about everything. Only assholes think that way. And Pastafarians are not assholes. 
I forgot to give a trigger warning, everybody. But if you, this is your, if you've listened to this, these episodes before, trigger, uh, you know this is a trigger warning coming. There should be. If this is your first one, trigger warning. If you don't want to listen to this, please skip over it. So remember, Pastafarians are not assholes. We simply deliver his word and let the people decide. With inclusion in mind, we feel it is necessary to approach members of other religions in an effort to show them our beliefs. It's possible that Christians, Jews, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, and all other religions, except probably for Scientologists, may be willing to convert after hearing about FSMism. We welcome with open arms any members of our religions and remember our guarantee. Try us for 30 days, and if you don't like us, your God will most likely take you back. Amen. Ramen. This is this is an important detail in spreading his word. If it works for infomercials, it will definitely work for religion. The Godback guarantee should always be offered up front. It shows that we're confident about our beliefs and and helps to build trust. Trust is very important when you're trying to change somebody's beliefs. And since we're one of the few religions that's never threatened non-believers with violence, it's all we've got. Before you begin evangelizing, remember to heed his warning. Be careful of whom you attempt to convert. Members of some religions should be approached with care. As a missionary, you must select a target wisely. Always try to keep to high traffic areas. <laughs> are we are we trying to convert people or are we trying to stalk somebody? I mean, it's kind of low-key stalking, is it not? Well, I mean, you wrote this book, so aka you... Technically, are crazy. Not you personally, but whoever wrote it. That way, you can be sure to maximize religious outreach. Always present yourself in a neat and friendly manner, unless you are wearing pirate regalia, which you should be. In which case, you should remember that an eye patch will affect depth perception. This brings us to our next point. When wearing an eye patch, always remember that objects may be closer or farther away than they appear. Not only is this statement true in fact, but it is also true spiritually. Side note, the eye patch is a consistent reminder that others don't see the world the same way we do. Not yet, at least. So Pasifarians see the world with one eye. One eye. One eye only. One holy eye. Sometimes they switch eyes. If you're, call- if you're talking to a Mormon uh, and he keeps smiling pleasantly, be sure to watch his hands. You may think you've cornered a potential Pastafarian while he may be considering where's his gun or where his gun's at. Be always be on the alert. You are doing his work, but his protection uh, or his protective appendages might be occupied with other things. Ask yourself, it's is big. this <laughs> Ask yourself, is this guy taking just a few too many sips of his orange soda? Is one of his wives lurking in the background? <laughs> If you start to get a bad feeling, leave and live to fight another day. Other religions may be pushy. We're not. In fact, take some hints from Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. As much as people like to get visited at home by strangers who tell them they're most likely going to hell, we prefer less intrusive means of missionary work. Our ways are subtle. Know your audience and choose the right message. This is important because the non-dogmatic nature of FSMism, there's some discussion as to whether liberal areas are better for missionary work. Instead, Pastafarians seem to have good luck finding converts on college campuses, although that could be due to the drugs. 
side note, might be prudent to might be prudent to try our rehab clinics out rehab clinics. Christians have had some success with this with drug addicts compromising some 90% of born agains. Still, there's no doubt that promises of a beer volcano and a stripper factory in heaven will likely be more effective with male college students, for example, than with female senior citizens. Side note, possible exception in the ironically named Bible Belt region of the southern United States, where most older women are well known to be alcoholics and raging lesbians. Okay. Source, Jerry Springer. I mean, Jerry does know a lot of stuff, though. He does. So always use your noodle and direct the right message to the right audience. A couple of other examples should help. Academics are likely to appreciate that FSMism is based on rigid scientific observations. With them, it's a good idea to cite evidence of the flying spaghetti monster's existence. Bring bring this book along as an aid. Don't. Show the academics the pictures, graphs, and diagrams. The pictures are dumb. All you got is old dead people in there. Many of which appear to be scientific in nature. In addition, it may be helpful to note that we Pasifarians are involved in ongoing important research. Most importantly... No, ongoing investigations, not research. Most importantly related to the established link between global warming and the decline in the pirate population. Yeah. The elderly. Not enough boats. <laughs> The elderly are most easily reached through their firmly uh, entrenched moral values. FSMism is, after all, a comparatively conservative religion. Even though we don't discriminate and although we openly accept those of varied backgrounds and sexual preference into our religion, it can be noted as advantageous that there are many more gay and lesbian preachers in Christian churches than there are in FSM churches. And while there is nothing particularly important about the phenomena, it is apparently a big issue with some of the parishioners. So it may be helpful to point out that point out that that bit of statistics in order to grow our congregation. Side note: Gay and lesbian people are as welcome as anyone else in our church, and they are also as welcome as their straight counterparts to become clergy. Children are generally not the brightest of people and can be easily converted to FSMism. Mentioning pirates will ensure it. Celebrities are an interesting matter. Consider them to be a special project. When an actor or musician adopts a religion, it is a sure sign that it is going to be popular. As such, we suggest identifying one one or two hot targets. Lindsay Lohan seems like she'd be open to Pacifianism. Also, Madonna is probably up for conversion soon we suggest approaching those celebrities who appear to be starving you might want to mention that a high carbohydrate diet is just what they need to restore their physical and spiritual well-being that's the thing that book's not gonna hold up if they're both dead who madonna and Lindsay lohan they're not dead though i know but what if when they die Lindsay Lohan could OD at any minute i know but nobody's gonna nobody's gonna forget madonna and Lindsay lohan True. Yep. Interacting with believers of other faiths. We will now go through the various faiths and make suggestions for missionaries. As noted above, interacting with other faiths is a touchy subject as most people who have already found religion believe unquestionably that theirs is the correct one. This is due to the fact that most mainstream religions have successfully successfully convinced their followers that faith, belief not supported by evidence, is a good thing. And so, in the process of converting, say, a Christian to a Pasifarian, 
not only do you have to convince them to believe in a different God, but you also have to convince them that strong belief without basis, while admittedly more comfortable than thinking, is not our way of doing things. In other words, Pastafarians reject dogma outright, so what it comes down to is that. Even if your potential convert accepts the existence of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, he may be unwilling to let go of his dogmatic belief system. Having grown accustomed to having his moral values decided for him, it is at the least an uphill battle. That doesn't mean we don't try, though. Pasifarians love a challenge. Choosing a target takes some psychology. Some religions are more open than others. Luckily, it's not hard to discern what is considered acceptable in each religion. Mormons, for example, prefer to discuss faith door-to-door with strangers. It follows, it, it follows then that, since this is their chosen method of discourse, they would welcome Pastafarian visitors showing up unannounced at their doorsteps. We suggest arriving as early as possible to make a good impression. Anyone can get up at noon, but it takes dedication and character to make a 5 a.m. visit. Your potential ex-Mormon new Pastafarian converts are likely to notice this and be impressed. It also may not hurt to bring along some of our, some orange soda. It's like crack for Mormons. No one knows why exactly, although scientists tell us it probably has something to do with the genetic anomalies caused by generations of endogamous uh, polygamy. Moving on to Christians. It seems that they, for the most part, don't do door-to-door missionary work, and so we can take a guess that they prefer privacy in their homes. However, it's a different story out in the public. Christians can often be found spreading their faith around town, occasionally from electing government positions. Uh, We can gather from this that Christians value expressing their faith to the public, and so it follows that they would appreciate this behavior uh, in members of our religions, specifically FSMism. Take, for instance, a group of Christians on a downtown street corner some Friday night, respectively protesting passing partygoers with helpful, non-judgmental signs such as the party ends in hell and repent, sinners, the party ends in hell. (laughs) These messages feel so strongly, these, yeah, these messengers feel so strongly about sharing their interpretation of the Christian faith with strangers that they stand out in the cold for hours. Such open-minded, sharing people are ripe targets for an FSM conversion attempt. We suggest uh, emulating their behaviors as much as possible. Make your own signs, but with our beliefs instead. Think of it as a cultural exchange where both parties can learn about each other's beliefs, and it is a great opportunity to explore differences and similarities for ongoing conversion efforts. For example, example, our Christian street corner friends may think drinking beer is wrong, as evidenced by their warnings of eternal hellfire damnation. An obvious but not insurmountable difference from our view, which is that beer rules. And while there may be numerous opposing views such as these, there are going to be some similarities too. Christians believe in a heaven floating on clouds and filled with sunshine and happiness and whatever else, with a mission strictly enforced by a judgmental God. Morals being a large factor in determining if the new arrival will be let in or instead face an eternal burning lake of fire. Pasifarians also believe in a heaven, and now you see that we have a similar view that we can build upon. While it's true that the FSM heaven is 
is thought to be quite different featuring a beer volcano and a stripper factory. Among other attractions, these are details that that don't necessarily have to be fully disclosed right away. Side note, this is accepted this is accepted practice in matters of religion. Consider the number of Scientologists and how the church wisely avoids mentioning mentioning up front the requirement that males donate their testicles a few years after joining, which is true. Christians make up a large percentage of the world population, so obviously we are going to be dealing with them a lot. The majority of them, unfortunately, are not out evangelizing on street corners just waiting to be converted. Most are more conservative, preferring only to be told how to think rather than telling others how to think. At first, it may seem that this group is ideal to be assimilated into the FSM religion, as we could, in theory, simply tell them new things to think. But remember, FSMism is a fundamentally different type of religion. We don't tell people how to think, and we can't say it enough. We reject dogma outright. Our principles preclude us from claiming we're, we know any truths. Instead, we make a strong argument for our beliefs with the realization that they could be wrong. Our beliefs are based purely on empirical observation, and so it would be dishonest to attempt to convert and conserve the conservative dogma-loving Christian populace in this way. Also, uh, please note that by us claiming that the majority of the Christians prefer dogmatic belief to free thought, we are in no way trying to put them down or belittle their beliefs. Dogma admittedly serves a number of functions, primarily societal control and allows followers to have followers to have a, a rigid set of moral and behavioral guidelines. For many people, this is not only com comforting but necessary, specifically for born agains, the, the majority of whom would be in jail were it not for the church's dogmatic message to stop doing crazy shit. I am sure not. Uh, I'm not alone when I say that I'd rather have the born agains running the school boards than stealing my car stereo for drug money. So in that respect, dogma is not all that bad. Born again nuts aside, as far away as possible, many Christians accept the God for legitimate reasons. In some cases, they truly believe what they're fed as truth, and so it's never an issue. Others accept the church for the amount of uncomfortable thinking it allows them to avoid, and then there are some Christians who enjoy the social benefits of dictating belief system but at the same time, don't actually blindly accept what is presented as incontrollable truth. These open-minded members are most likely converts to the Church of FSM. These people will largely not accept the Bible as being literally true, for some reason finding it unlikely, for example, that the first human female was created from a rib or that the entire earth was flooded. In short, they are Christians but have not been infected with dogma and are so and so are still able to think freely. They are prime candidates for uh, conversion to FSM. The problem, of course, is separating the moderate, open-minded Christians from the dogmatic, closed-minded ones. Luckily, this has already been done for us. We need only visit universities or bookstores or similar locations, places where independent thought is held in high regard and where intelligent, educated people tend to congregate. There will be very few dogma-minded people there. Side note, just coincidence put in place by the FSM, we're sure. 
These moderate Christians should require only the minimum of effort to be converted. Being open-minded and intelligent, they will quickly see the benefits of a belief system based on empirical evidence. A religion that holds one of its highest tenets to be the rejection of dogma in its entirety is only or is one not likely to be infested by closed-minded fools and moderate Christians will appreciate this. The sticking point, perhaps not surprisingly, may be Jesus. Any all but ready convert who likes the idea who likes the ideology and probably pirates as well may not let herself join because she feels a connection to the Christian Jesus. That's understandable, and remember that it's not our place as Pasifarians to tell anyone that their beliefs are wrong. Our role is simply to present our views, not to judge anyone else's views, and certainly not to push our beliefs on others. That being said, it's our duty to make as strong an argument as possible for the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. As such, if you find yourself in a missionary position with a moderate Christian, I think it's appropriate to note that the FSM, being all-powerful and could easily have disguised himself as Jesus and set in place the events that now, from the basis of Christianity, or from, Christianity. Form, form the basis of Christianity, if that's the case, and it seems entirely plausible, converting to FSM would be more consistent with Christianity than worshiping the FSM place Christian God. <clears throat> and lastly, you might ask a moderate Christian a question that they've undoubtedly heard before. What would Jesus do? We suggest that Jesus would have taken a look at the direction things are going and converted to FSM. Our beliefs and rejection of dogma are much more, much more consistent with his ideology than much of the modern-day dogmatic Christianity. And we find it hard to believe that Jesus would approve of, of a great deal of the politics and acting uh, ostensibly on his behalf. And he probably wouldn't take kindly to the wars that would have been fought in his name either. WWJD, HWCT, FSM. Side note, he would... It's a big one. Side note, he would convert to FSM. There you have it. There you have it. Born-agains present a different set of challenges. While technically belonging to the Christian faith, they are a separate entity unto themselves. We are hesitant even to refer to them as Christians because their behavior reflects badly on the majority of Christians who are not insane. Born-agains are the most dogmatic of all because it is dogma itself that forms their belief system. The born-again believe that everyone needs to be told what to do and realistically that's the only thing keeping them out of jail. This group has a powerful system of beliefs, and they will tell you about it whenever they get the chance. Because of their strong dogmatic beliefs, we do not advise going after born-agains at this time. It is increasingly to note, however, that there's only one thing born-agains enjoy more than telling people what to think, and that is drugs. Sometime in the, in the future, after we've completed the construction of our missionary pirate ship, we will leave trails of crack vials running from rehab. We will leave trails of crack vials running from rehab clinics to the port where pirate ship where the pirate ship is docked. Thus, the born agains will be led to us, and they and they gobble up the crack like Pac-Man. The last Christian group we will consider is the Christian athlete. 
These soldiers of God are probably more dangerous than born-agains due to their size and stamina. They, do, they should be avoided at all costs and only uh, observed on television or watching from the relative safety of your seats set high in the back of the arena or stadium. Christian athletes can be seen praying in the middle of the court, field, or other playing surface after their games, and they are known for thumping their chest and pointing in the air after touchdowns, goals, or quote-unquote baskets. I was going to say the only one I know is Tim Tebow. You don't hear about him no more. This unseemly sense of self-importance is disturbing as God probably doesn't even watch sports. Side note, if anything, he should be paying attention to the news. If if they think he's actually paying attention when they give praise, quote-unquote, during their interviews, then they're probably even dumber than they sound. As far as the Flying Spaghetti Monster, he is believed only to watch NASCAR and an occasional game of soccer. Side note, See uh, Diego Marinera's Noodle of God, Argentina versus England, June 22nd, 1986. How else to explain their popularity, NASCAR, and their survival as a professional American sport? Uh, <clears throat> but we don't know for sure. Again, Christian athletes are highly dangerous and stupid and should be avoided at all costs. Now that we've got the Christians covered... We can move on to other religions. It is important to remember that regardless of what you hear from many elected officials, there actually are other religions, and they will probably be around for a very long time. Let us explore further. Take a quick break. <clears throat> Excuse me. Islam is the world's second largest religion after Christianity. Granted, we don't see a lot of Muslims in this country, but we do see a lot of them on television. It seems that many of them live in places like Iraq and Afghanistan. This is interesting to note because some of our greatest missionary work is taking place in these places, where there are a surprising number of Pasifarians in the military. While people believe that the president sent troops into Iraq to, uh, to find weapons of mass destruction, it's pretty much been common knowledge that most of the weapons they were supposedly looking for were over in Iran and North Korea. So why did he send so many troops to the wrong country? As you know, until recently, Iraq was a country run by a secular government under the rule of Saddam Hussein. Side note, although Saddam does kind of resemble a pirate, he most certainly is not a Pastafarian. High government officials in the United States predicted currently <clears throat> that it would be easier to convert a secular country to Pastafarianism than it would be to convert, say, Iran. This program of bringing his word to the people has been termed by the Pentagon as Operation Wiggly Multi-Appendaged Deity, or Operation WMD for short. As president, he just turned weapons of mass destruction to Wiggly Multi-Appendaged Deity. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> as President Bush probably once said, we are making progress in Iraq. And it's going to be, it's going to take time. Tune in to see how it goes. And it's a picture of the flying spaghetti monster in the desert of Iraq. I've seen these. <clears throat> Hinduism is another big religion. There are millions and millions of Hindus in India. You might just show a Hindu a picture of a typical Hindu god to illustrate that extreme newliness of his appendage. That should work. 
That's it. And also this book was, they're talking about the Iraq war and President Bush. This book is a little old. Well, older, sorry. So yeah, just for all you that are wondering why we're talking about President Bush. That's what I mean. It doesn't. This book came out a few years after that. Buddhism, like Ephesimism, is a highly peaceful religion. Buddhists practice much meditation, and we suggest that the best way to allow for them to be touched by his noodly appendage is simply to share his favorite meal. After a couple of healthy portions of pasta, watch the Buddhist slip into a food coma, which is very much like experiencing meditation. When he comes out of it, he will most likely certainly have received enlightenment. Jews. Jews are an interesting group to consider. They're certainly a driven bunch, often highly educated and well-connected. For the highly educated Jews, simply follow the advice given above, given above under academics. They will enjoy the empirical evidence that we provide them and will surely adopt Pastafarianism for themselves. For Orthodox Jews, point out the zidi, wait, zit zit, a traditional garment with long trailing strings. I, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's so he's just saying, oh, it's, it'll be easy for him because they have clothes that look like the lines of that have strings on them. I believe it's pronounced zit zit um, that they wear. Moses himself was told to wear one, and the strings do resemble his noodly appendages. So we can only assume that the Flying Spaghetti Monster made the suggestion in the first place. Those trendy uh, Kabbalists wear red strings around their wrists to ward off the evil eye. Red is the color of his sauce, and the string is the shape of his spaghetti, proving that, that even Madonna has been touched by his noodly appendage. Uh... Shintoism is the official religion of Japan. Side note, coincidentally, Japan is the official country of ramen. Yet, it's interesting to note that a large percentage of Japanese people practice both Shintoism and Buddhism. This makes Shintoists an easy target. Simply suggests that they adopt the third religion, Pasifarianism. Again, offer them some ramen. Japanese people love it. <laughs> Rastafarians are loosely organized and not particularly widespread. Because a large concentration of Rastafarians lives in the Caribbean, a key habitat of pirates, Pastafarians and Rastafarians, appear to intermingle quite well. The best thing to do when converting Rastafarians is to wait. Once they've got the munchies, offer them some ramen, mention how the two religions rhyme, point to Bob Marley's dreadlocks and compare them to the newly appendaged FSM, we actually believe the, that most Rastafarians are Pastafarians already. <laughs> Scientologists are best left alone. In summary, there are several ways to spread his word, depending on the location. It might be safer to post flyers, posters, brochures, etc., rather than confronting strangers. However, while anonymously planting planting flyers, oh, anonymously planted flyers. And brochures may convert a few people, they're probably not enough to convert those with a more skeptical mind. Our religion is, after all, admittedly hard to believe at first. But no one ever said that faith was easy, and having several packs of delicious, ready-to-cook ramen around you at all times will help. Person-to-person -person evangelizing is a necessary method of outreach, as there are some people who will not allow themselves to be touched by his noodly appendage unless you're right there putting it in their face. A final note from Bobby regarding midgets. I can honestly say 
that I have received much more flack over the term midgets from fully grown, oftentimes fat people, uh, than from little people themselves. One could make the argument that the little person community, side note, located primarily at the North Pole, itself is not concerned with such pretty ma- uh, pretty matters of political correctness. And while and and while that is valid and probably exp- and a probable explanation. In the name of full disclosure, I would like to note that my hearing is not the best and that if any angry little person has ever confronted me over the term midget, I may not have noticed as I generally look straight ahead. At any rate, while until such time as a little person himself asks me to stop, I will continue to use the term midget as often as possible. Side note, I suggest either a sign firmly attached to a meter stick or in the unlikely but awesome occasion of two little people, please consider sitting atop the other's shoulders. I absolutely guarantee my full intention in this case. He had to throw that in there, didn't he? He had to. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, everybody, so I can rest my mouth hole. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to take a second to let you know about our official podcast store at thecomcast.com. Go check it out today, everybody. We've got everything you can think of from t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, organic tote bags, and even drinkware like coffee mugs and craft beer glasses. Go check it out today at thecomcast.com. Now let's get back into the episode. All right, everybody. Next chapter is called Pamphlets. As intrepid soldiers of the FSM, we come to armed only with our faith Numerous examples of, of observable evidence and maybe some ramen or placards. In addition, we have pamphlets, which reduce our message to easily digestible sound bites. Turn the page and read on. Feel free to copy these pamphlets from your own evangelical work. Consider them to be extensions of his newly appendage. Raw men. So, I'm not going to... I'm not going to read this, uh, read the pamphlet. Because get, the pamphlet is basically the book. The pamphlet is basically the book. Uh, so, <laughs> it just has a picture of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. It talks about the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. What else What else should I know? More proof with a graph. And there's a graph. Uh, what does this mean? Scientific proof. All The, the pirate flag. Um, and then some quotes from PhD doctors. They're stupid enough to believe in this. Um, what the experts are saying, why should you convert to FSMism, which is um, flimsy moral standards. Every Friday is a religious holiday. Our heaven is way better. We've got a stripper factory and a beer volcano. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then touched by his noodly appendage is the um, the painting of David. And instead of uh, God, it is uh, the FSM. So... Oh, this is actually a pretty big pamphlet. Um, it even has how to make your own pirate flag stencil. And the um, it teaches you how to make it. And you can cut it all out. It has instructions. And it's called swag. How to make our swag. How to make our own your own pirate fish stencil. You'll need a... Your supplies are a razor blade or X-Acto knife. Thin cardboard, tape, and spray paint. Perfect DIY, and then you could just put it on all kinds of stuff. 
<laughs> this person put it on the uh, Random House Publishing Group book of art and design. Uh, the next the next section is how to make your very own arts and crafts flying spaghetti monster um, from rubber bands. So your supplies are two googly eyes because the FSM has to have googly eyes. One bag of rubber bands, about 50 of them. One pipe cleaner. True true, two brown fluff balls, glue, and scissors. And at the end, you have your very own flying spaghetti monster. Isn't that neat? Now, <laughs> all that aside, let's get back into the book. Fundraising. Inevitably, the matter of money will come up and find many... Uh, and, and many will find it hard to believe that FSM is a free religion. Indeed, no tithing is expected. Apparently, our God is, is in a better financial position than Jesus. Just to name an example. Churches are expensive, obviously. And ours, a pirate ship, ETA 2007, will require more upkeep than a conventional church. But the funds will come from unsolicited donors rather than expected contributors. No Pasifarian will ever endure uh, the expectant look of a collection holding blue-haired old bat as is customary among some of the other major religions. If members don't want to contribute to the cause, they don't have to. Freeloaders will be welcome aboard the ship. However, they most certainly will not be allowed to touch the cannons. There are in so, there has to be some motivation to contribute after all. That's kind of cool to have cannons. <clears throat> it's a, it's a pirate ship. You, you never know. Uh, still, we are not above this, uh, devising certain fundraising schemes to ensure that we can obtain as big and as glorious a pirate ship as possible. The sale of T-shirts helps. Also, coffee mugs and bumper stickers are effective. But FSM is a highly international and web-savvy church, and we seek to utilize those attributes to bring in a particularly big windfall. Our idea for a major new fundraising campaign involves time travel and the lottery. Ever since the world has was discovered to be round, scientists and explorers have known that there are times when it is Tuesday in one place, yet it remains Monday somewhere else. We plan on turning this often ignored fact to our advantage. By using super fast internet connections, we will have foreign Pastafarians on, say, Tuesday morning, look up what the winning lottery numbers were and send them back to us where it's still Monday, i.e. in the past. I.e. This scheme will require a lot of cooperation on the part of Pastafarians, and we are certainly up to the task. While some may question the ethics of such a plan, we argue that our ethical standards are rock solid when compared to uh, televangelical Christians who garner a fair amount of their wealth from recently cashed Social Security checks. They literally are talking about. <laughs> they're literally talking about sending, like, talking to people. They're wanting to Marty McFly instead of earning money the old-fashioned but, way. I, I, unless this is a joke, they don't understand that a lottery number doesn't get pulled on the day that it is in the country that you're in or the state that you're in. So if they pull the lottery number in Indiana on a Saturday, you can't you can't contact China the day before. And get the lottery numbers because it's not the Chinese lottery. It's the Indiana lottery in the United States. It doesn't work like that. That's not how it works. I don't know. A guide to the holidays. While all days spent as a Pasifarian are indeed glorious, 
there are a few very special days commonly known as holidays. We, uh, when we celebrate his newly presence. Side note, quite a number of days are dedicated to saints of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Although they will not be mentioned in this section, we should correct one troubling misunderstanding. Chef Boyardee is not a saint and, in fact, may not even be a real person. Facts. Passover. It is a religious holiday uh, innocuous with Jewish holiday of Passover, as well as the Christian holiday of Easter. During this time, Pastafarians across the globe are encouraged to eat copious amounts of pasta, usually spaghetti, which is cooked in his image. By family members dressing as pirates, Passover celebrates the time when the flying spaghetti monster first began touching people with his noodly appendage. Many stories about his... This is how John Wayne Gacy got his start, too. Many stories about his momentous occasion have been passed down through the centuries, and it is interesting to note that they are all completely different. Some are hardly even uh, intelligible. Uh, regardless of one version, one's version of the story, however, all true believers partake of the pasta and perform the ritual passing of the eye patch, in, in, in which mem each member of the table takes a turn wearing an eye patch and talking about why he or she is happy to have been touched. <laughs> Everybody knows John Gacy. John Gacy is a good boy. Hey, uh, listen, go talk around the table. All how would I enjoy being touched by me? Ram <laughs> Ramadan is innocuous to the Islamic period of fasting, prayer, and clarity known as Ramadan. Ramadan comes around the same time as Ramadan. And indeed, the two holiday periods have their similarities. One of the major differences between the two, however, is that Pastafarians do not fast or pray, as doing so would conflict with their flimsy moral standards. Instead, Pastafarians spend a few days of the month eating only ramen noodles and remembering back to their days as starving college students. This simple act teaches Pastafarians to be happy about what they've accomplished and if they haven't accomplished anything yet, to at least be happy that they are Pastafarians. Ramadan is the least commercial of the Pastafarian holidays, which is saying a lot since you aren't going to see a Passover sale at Macy's anytime soon. At the end of Ramadan, Pastafarians are encouraged to give their extra ramen to those who are more needy. You want some slightly used ramen? Halloween. Oh, that's not changed. They didn't change the name of Halloween. Halloween is an important Pasifarian holiday because it honors the time when pirates roamed the earth in freedom. Pirates were his chosen people and their dwindling numbers have had a direct effort on the world around us. It can safely be assumed that the recent spate of earthquakes, hurricanes, and other natural disasters, as well as the advent of, the glo of global warming, can all be traced back to the alarming decrease in pirates worldwide. Pastafarians often dress up as pirates on Halloween and pass out candy to children. Indeed, it is a little-known fact that the original pirates were well-known for passing out candy to children, but that practice grew less common as they became uh, persecuted. During Halloween, Pastafarians are urged oh, to travel their neighborhoods, sense. if not the seven seas. We used to pass, pass candy out to the kids, and then we started getting in trouble for it. Then we started robbing people and drinking a lot. 
During Halloween, Pasifarians are urged to travel their neighborhoods, if not the seven seas, in search of winches and grog. And pass out candy, apparently. I don't, I don't know where the candy went. Yeah, but they were getting persecuted for it. I wonder why. They went from passing out candy to being curse- persecuted. Now they only hunted for winches and grog. Yeah. The, the two were completely relatable. International Talk Like a Pirate Day takes place every September 19th and is a fine day for Pasifarians to celebrate their pirate roots. Much like Halloween, Pasifarians are encouraged to seek out wenches and grog on this holiday. Candy is optional. It should also be noted that International Talk Like a Pirate Day might be a good time for evangelical work as grog weakens even the most hardened mind and makes people more open to alternative viewpoints like Pasifarianism. It is estimated that only one half of annual conversions to the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster take place on this day. Friday is the holiest of Pasifarian holidays and takes place each week. During his high day, no way. Pasifarians are encouraged to take it easy and, if possible, try uh, to find some sun. Fridays are dedicated to his ideals, beholden to the beer volcano and stripper factory, and one can do no more to honor his newly appendage than to observe Fridays with the utmost of piety. Or piety, whichever one. Holiday encompasses pretty much all of the big commercial holidays. It's just called holiday, okay. Celebrated by the other religions. Holiday stretches over most of the December and January... And is oh it's oh, just holiday, and it is interesting to consider how much this Pasifarian religion has spread over the last couple of years. In fact, many schools and businesses refer not to the Christian, uh, or, sorry, the Christmas season, but to the Pasifarian holiday season instead. This is strong evidence of our rapid growth, and we feel that a special thanks should go out to Walmart, who ejected the Christian phrase "Merry Christmas." In favor of the Potsifarian greeting, happy holidays. We appreciate your support. Hmm. So that proves it. That's the reason why the entire country changed Merry Christmas to Happy Holidays. It's just taking credit for it. The Flying Spaghetti Monster. They were always there. They were always there and always watching. Enlightenment Institute. Potsifarians don't rest on their laurels. Sure, we've got lots of proofs already, but we can nearly we can never stop. I'm oh, sorry, we can never truly stop our effort to spread his word unless it's a Friday. String theory: all matter is created of noodly like. Uh, string theory: all matter is created of little noodle-like strings. Coincidence? Yes. Bacteria flagella, of flagella. Can any uh, can anything that complex and noodle like have happened by accident? Heresy. But obviously, we need more evidence of his existence, and so we have established the Enlightenment Institute, a think tank devoted to providing our pri- uh, priory assumption that he exists using all available species, uh, all available specious arguments, spacious arguments, and circular logic to do so. In case you haven't been paying attention, this approach is totally legit in matters of religion and, and has gained increased legitimacy in politicized science. This important work has, taken up, uh, has been taken up by some of the greatest minds available to us. What follows are proofs 
that have been submitted to the Enlightenment Institute's publishing arm, the Science Creative Quarterly, the first science publication to take notice of the obviously le- the obvious legitimacy of the FSM. They are the rare and hard-won fruits of some of the greatest thinkers at work in the world today. Of Penguins and Pasta, Toby Leonard with editing by Jason Braunworth, historian, scholar, and all-around swell guy. There is irrevocable proof that the splying, the splying, the flying spaghetti monster, FSM, created the world. Some people point to selective fossil evidence and then use fuzzy interpo- uh, interpolation to explain gaps in the fossil record. Some use fictitious supreme beings and others claim some intelligent designer created everything. I have factual proof that on every uh, continent, all that was created was touched by his noodly appendage. Others point to uh, esoteric folklore to explain their god, but the FSM has touched every continent and every culture, leaving his mark with with his noodly appendage <clears throat> to clarify this overwhelming predominance of evidence, I shall break this down by continent to make it understandable to even the densest dogmatic or dogmatist. To start, I shall strike at the legendary home of the wasp, Europe. Europe is the... The Jews? Wasp? That's what they call Jewish people, wasps. Really? Or no, no, that's Italians. Oh, no, wasp. W- wasp. Wasp? Yeah. I don't know. But it's something, one of them's a racial term for something. That's, I believe that's, I believe that's called wop. It's a wop. No, wop is wet ass pussy. No, I believe it's a derogatory term for an Italian person. They call it's called a wop. I think it's Jewish people. Some people. And the only reason why I know that is from movies. Some people call Jewish people wasps. I have no idea. This is W-A-S-P. Yeah. Um, To start, I shall strike at the legendary home of the wasp, Europe. Europe is the simplest example of a great work of the FSM. We can easily bear witness to the numerous pastas attributed to Italy, where one finds the origin of the contemporary name Flying Spaghetti Monster in the pasta called Spaghetti. This long, thin... Uh, cylindrical pasta is not the only pasta on the menu. The types and shapes vary tremendously, and the sauces that accompany them bring the selection to heavenly proportions. This is the most common cited example of evidence for the FSM, but there is evidence implying his existence before Italy discovered pasta. Certain geographical features are even named after him. The Danube River is a perfect example. It is simply the old Hungarian term for the Noodle River. <laughs> the Noodle River. Uh, even the uh, epitome, even the epitome French have unquestionable Stone Age fossil evidence of his work in the Anculine Stone Twirling Spaghetti Fork from Saint Ancul, France. I think. Ancul, France. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Which has been dated approximately. 1 million to 300,000 BCE. 
from this, we can even gather unquestionable evidence of his hand in human cultures dating back as far as one million years ago. Europe, while first discussed is uh, in this essay, is not the starting point of Pasifarian history. Africa, the birthplace of humanity, is a continent that is only beginning to be discovered by Pasifarian archaeologists. His potential for providing incontroversible or in in con in controversial. This is this is a ten dollar word for a two dollar sentence. Um, evidence of the noodly ones manipulations is only recently being uh, realized. This minor oversight of the archaeological community is exemplified by the presence of only two significant facts of historical record. The first is the presence of their own uh, version of pasta, the Moroccan couscous, which was obviously manna from heaven and its abundance and shape is reflected of the environment in which it is eaten. Couscous is shaped in the the likeness of sand to match the sand desert environment in which the early Moroccans lived. This is an example of how the FSM is kind and understanding of the people in giving them a gift of pasta to which they can relate. Without an example of stringy spaghetti in the habitat, the people would not have known what to do with stringy noodles, so the FSM shaped their pasta to match that of that of sand, and instructed the locals to eat it. Now, great sand dunes can be looked upon as manna from the from heaven in the form of huge piles of couscous. <laughs> okay. The second example is from ancient Egypt. Due to a mistake in translations from the Rosetta Stone, the word for reed was submitted uh, for uh, megagetti. Megagetti, a large diameter form of spaghetti. Thus, the hieroglyphs were incorrectly interpreted as showing people gathering reeds uh, instead of making huge bundles of megagetti. The Phionian, or yeah, Phionicians, Phionis, whatever, were said to have made reed boats to sail the seas, and everyone knows this is impossible. Uh, anyone would know that Mega Getty boats would self-seal with a pasty mass when contacting the warm ocean waters, producing a leak-proof, seaworthy vessel. It is through these original Mega Getty boats that trade in the Mediterranean Sea were started. So we see that from Africa, the FSM touched the desert, because uh, the desert people, and started major trading empires. We shall go across the Atlantic to the New World empires. South America had great ancient civilizations. They had gold galore. They had yams, chocolate, potatoes, corn, cocaine, calendars that needed a leap day every few hundred years, extensive agriculture, and a huge bureaucracy. However, they lacked three important things uh, required in any ancient civilization. They never utilized the wheel. They didn't have horses, and they had no pasta. The shame of not being able to roll or ride was bad enough, but to not eat pasta pulled at the very fabric of society. Both the Incans and the Aztecs tried to make up for those shortcomings. They conquered, nat- they conquered natives, they collected gold, they made temples, they pleaded to inferior gods, but nothing they tried worked. 
In desperation, they started sacrificing humans to appease the inferior gods in the hopes of gaining the great knowledge of noodles to guide them. This gambit was doomed to fail, and the, and the arrival of Cortez hastened this failure. Some scholars claimed it was smallpox that wiped out Montezuma's armies, but that was not the case. Cortez brought, uh, Cortez brought not smallpox, but a small tin of SpaghettiOs. Montezuma, realizing his own lack of SpaghettiOs, ordered his troops to fall upon their swords in shame. 97% of the population committed suicide for their inability to attain enlightenment and noodles caused them desperation and abject shame. The other 3% were shameless cowards. Cortez never wanted to shy away from credit, but uh, be it earned or not, claimed to have conquered the nation for Spain and gathered up the gold and sailed back. But it was a tin of SpaghettiOs that conquered the great Aztec Empire. Well, if you didn't know, now you know. Makes sense. Moving north, moving north to North America, we see the Native uh, American civilization that had been touched by him. The most glaring evidence of his influence is the aspen tree. This tree's name was derived from the Ojiba, aka Chippewa, term aspe, meaning tree of tree of gods that gives noodles grows straight and tall, and rustles in the wind like the noodly appendages of the great flying one. <laughs> A minor side note, the Ujiba were very good at shortening phrases into simple ones. The truth provided by this tree of gods is self-evidence in that the aspen has an inner bark that can be removed, cut into strips, and boiled into an edible noodly dish. This was very good when served with uh, pemmican balls made of venison. This is very close to spaghetti and meatballs. While some scholars claim it was con uh, convergent evolution, we know it was designed by the FSM. The early colonial culture was inspired by the gifts the FSM gave, including the gift of pasta. This is clearly this is clearly um, expressed in the children's song lyric of. Yankee Doodle stuck a feather in his hat and called it macaroni. Mm. Macaroni. A simple, coincidental rhyming word. I think not. In its historical fact, the revolutionary Charles Kraft started supplying the colonists with boxes of Kraft macaroni so and I cheese. I going to go there. <laughs> to spite the English, who were insisting everyone eat biscuits and jam. The use of macaroni was a way for early colonists to thumb their noses at King George through their dinner plates. The flying spaghetti monster left his mark on Native American culture and helped the American Revolution strike a blow for democracy against tyranny. We now can move to another English colony, Australia. Australia is a relatively newly discovered continent. It was left untouched by Europeans until very recently in human history. The clearest example of the guiding the clearest example of the guiding noodly appendage of the FSM is the kangaroo. These spry marsupials have witnessed the great one and are working their way toward enlightenment. The little joeys realize that to fly like the FSM is the first step to godliness. So the joeys jump trying to remain airborne for as long as possible in an attempt at flying. They spend their days uh, 
meditatively trying to jump high enough to become airborne and fly like the Great One. A group of older transcendental kangaroos and one tigger, a cat-like creature with hops. Fuck. <laughs> and one and one tigger, a cat-like creature with with tops made of rubber and bottoms of springs, have accomplished this and meditatively levitated through the air like the FSM. Is the first step to godliness. Wait. Sorry. Have accomplished this and meditatively levitated through the air like the FSM. This meditative spell with was promptly broken by the arrival of Japanese tourists snapping pictures of flying kangaroos led by a tigger. The reward the kangaroos for their to reward the kangaroos for their faith, the FSM arranged for the tourists to be eaten by Godzilla upon returning to Japan. The unintended consequence was that it also ruined their film, so the photo evidence of flying kangaroos being led by a tigger is lost to humanity. Otherwise, there is only minor circumstantial evidence of his work in Australia. Most notable among this evidence is that the trees in the fairly lifeless outback are often referred to uh, singularly as a stringy bark, implying the pop they pop up like the FSM flying upside down, which incidentally is why Australia is called Down Under. <laughs> While Australia is uh, replete with circumstantial evidence of the FSM, you need only tra- you need only travel to the uh, to the north to discover evidence of a more concrete nature. China has the oldest fossilized noodles in the world. The archaeological community discovered an upturned bowl of noodles that had been fossilized over the last 4,000 years, making them the oldest noodles in the world. There are reports of seven bowls of fossilized noodles dating back to 8,000 BCE, discovered in the southern Yangtze province, but those were looted and served as extra crunchy fried noodles. To the lunch crowd at City Walk in South Park, Colorado, for three ninety five plus tax, any noodles left over were devoured by a corpulent nine year old boy of foul demeanor and temperament. Temperament, <laughs> A.K.A. Cartman. Um, thus, the the validity. No, I just I'm saying that. Oh. Thus the, thus the validity of this finding cannot be verified. This is just another case of how looting of antiques causes their loss to the scientific community as a whole. Other evidence in Asia is the variations of noodles available. One can find short, crisp noodles served as chow mein noodles in China, pad thai noodles in Thailand, and ramen noodles in Japan, just to name a few. So noodles are an important part of the diet of Asia. In contrast... We will proceed to the last continent, Antarctica. Antarctica, the cursed, is the continent that the Pasifarian equivalent to Christianity's hell. The beer volcano froze over millennia ago. The strippers wear big bulky parkas and snow pants, and the place is covered in ice and snow. The only native inhabitants are the ones cursed by him. He has cast out those who have forsaken him, the penguins, the short, stout penguins, are the direct descendants of the original midget. The midget got mad at the FSM for making him short and out of anger cursed the Great One loudly and profanely. In retaliation, the vengeful FSM cast the reject to the coldest part of the world, 
and morphed the degenerate into a penguin. The penguin is the opposite of all that is godly. It has wings but cannot fly. It has flippers instead of hands. So this so is unable to pick up noodles. It eats it eats not but fish, um, which makes nasty fish meatballs. He created a land that is incapable of growing anything worthy of pasta creation. Krill, the only thing that penguins have to make noodles from, tastes disgusting. Thus, Antarctica is the land of rejected creations. Learning from this mistake, the next thing he made after the midget was a dwarf, which turned out pretty hilarious when it got drunk from the volcano and started simultaneously swearing at and hitting on the strippers. So the FSM kept dwarfs as an amusing distraction. He was so distracted he forgot, he forgot the next thing on his to-do list. Make penguin eating sharks. So we can see by the uh, preponderance of evidence that it is beyond a shadow of a doubt that the great flying spaghetti monster created everything in the world and has influenced evolution throughout all of history. It has been shown that his noodly appendage has touched every continent and every civilization around the globe. His evidence has been carefully cataloged by the scribes assigned to the great pirate sailing vessels as they journey around the world gathering archaeological evidence of the Great One. The only continent they avoid is Antarctica, and that is because they know not go there. Uh, Shackleton brought back records of what the ungrateful penguins tried to do to him and his crew when they were stranded there. I don't, I don't get that. I don't know who Shackleton is. This evidence spans the globe. Made ma um, this evidence spans the globe. Made manifest in the chow mein noodles of China, the aspen noodles of Nebraska, the flying kangaroos of Australia, and the great mega mega boats of the ancient Phoenicians. Hey, I think I pronounced it right. This should settle all debates over the influence of the flying spaghetti monster. And that is where we will end today everyone i hope you all enjoyed it <laughs> any side notes ryan so i i hope we get done with it <laughs> i think well i i honestly think i think we'll finish it in the next one so i think this would just be a five-parter it was like a good three solid pages of nice stuff yeah and then the rest is fucking horrible garbage so I think we'll finish it in the next one, to be honest with you guys, because there's a lot of just extra stuff at the end that probably won't get read, a lot of pictures and things like that. So we'll probably just make this a five-part. We'll most likely finish it next episode. We appreciate all of you tuning in today and listening. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gassy. <laughs> We appreciate all you downloading this. We appreciate all of you that subscribe. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. We love the fuck out of you guys. Go and get some of the tropical bear hugs from Goose Island Brewing Co. Love you guys so much. Have a great week. Stay safe. As always, drink a good beer. Read a good book. And if the religious cult tries to convert you, you say no to drugs, no to cults, and milk that pig, everybody. Peace. We out.